Welcome to iFollow. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 86 of iFollow. Um, yeah, uh, we have a very interesting week in news about some technology. We're a tech podcast, wouldn't you know? Um, what? But yeah, right? Who'd have thought? I thought after, we were just here. <laughs> after 86 episodes, you would think we would figure that out by now. I think we might have found our niche <laughs> yeah. after. That's what, you know, it, like right around episode 24 or 25, I started to feel a rhythm, but it wasn't until episode 86 where I really knew what we were. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's been, there's a, there's a lot that's happened over the course of the past week, and I can say week because we're on time, <laughs> and I'm very happy about that, but um, there's uh, there's this there's this piece of news that I did want to talk about. Just it's not even really news. It's just something that's been happening lately, and and we talked about it briefly in the last episode with you and me. But it was about the YouTube demonetization of videos. Um, well, since the last time we have talked, they've expanded on this, and they have actually begun uh, demonetizing videos that are how to say featuring comments that may potentially break their rules and guidelines and yeah. obviously inappropriate this, comments might right. get your videos demonetized so right. nothing that a creator did but now they're they're required to you know moderate their chat um yeah. or commenting section yeah um, and some people do their, that yeah i mean yes yeah, but if you're if you're the likes of of a uh, uh, Linus Texips or NKMHD, you get millions of millions of views, and a very small set of of people comment, which still is a thousands of comments, tens yeah. of thousands of yep. comments, and it's could be possible to see exactly what people are commenting. Yeah, and did um, you have a chance to look into like how this all came about? It's interesting the whole backstory of like how this became important for youtube to do and like it's weird and controversial but i kind and i at first i was like very against it but after listening to linus's point of view because i was listening to his uh wan show which is the linus tech tips podcast um i kind of have a change of heart about it uh in a way like I, i see how it's damaging to the creators and to and putting all this undue burden on people but there was a he made a really good point that i hadn't considered um and so the you you did hear about this right the yeah. um the uh the pedophilia yeah. slash um like softcore child ring of stuff that was going through YouTube comment sections and right. uh, this this whole network of accounts that was um they weren't comment sometimes they were blatant they would just comment exactly what it was so they right. would um go on um people's YouTube channels with videos of their children or uh or it YouTube could be accounts. the chil- children uploading the videos themselves yeah. accounts of, of the child yeah, yeah. but um, they're just they're doing innocent things playing around in their room playing with toys or um, like there's some cases where it's like gymnastics videos right. or they're just practicing their gymnastics nothing and inherently bad about any of these videos yeah and these sick people are putting comments in the video um of certain things that might be viewed as appealing to someone who is like a child predator and they're also putting the timestamp of that in of that frame of the video in which that occurs um which is really disturbing when you think about it for more than a minute because it's literally the most disgusting thing that i can probably imagine when it comes to um, the internet and youtube which is supposed to be this platform for sharing creativity and for sharing your life with the world and things that you like about it and um some people it's a platform for them to upload their family videos and their home videos of their children and somewhere that's in the cloud for them to view and uh it's being ruined by this awful like group of people who uh, want nothing but malice from something that's so benign as just like a gymnastics video that someone's uploading of their child yeah um and the sick thing about it is is that like a lot of these videos are monetized um mm-hmm. it's something that when you think about it like it's just them the parents monetizing a video of their kid just so that way they can 
some parents will put the money back into the kid's school or they'll use it for something like that. But some there are some people who are like for-profit YouTube accounts that yeah. feature children as it, the primary focus of the account. It also um, doesn't necessarily have to be the channel uh, monetizing it um, because yeah. you can still have ads on certain videos, right? So now it's like yep. YouTube quite recently updated their monetization requirements for channels, right? You have to have a certain number of subscribers, uh, you have to have um, a certain number of views, um, so you have to match those. So, right, like, if you don't, the ads still might appear um, on your videos, but you're not getting paid for it. So yeah. I, I think a lot of these, it's not necessarily the parents, I don't think, are monetizing it. It's just ads on these videos that appear because, you know, I mean, it's it's bandwidth cost that uh, YouTube has to cover, right? And it's just videos. Right. Yeah, and it's like, it, and and then the way, and a lot of these advertisers are pulling out of yeah. YouTube to uh, to kind of protest this because it's they they don't want YouTube to be indirectly profiting from literally what can be viewed as um, like pedophilia in mm-hmm. a way, yeah. um, and well, it literally is. It can't be viewed at it. It literally is that, but. Um, they 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 have pulled their ads from the platform as well as um, YouTube has begun demonetizing and they've removed somewhere. These numbers blow my mind. Yeah. Like they've removed, I think it was like a hundred or so thousand channels um, and, and, and accounts and about ten million hours of content yeah. pulled from YouTube. Ten million hours of content because of this. Like and most of them are honest, nice videos, not intended for that kind of yeah. subject matter. It's not like YouTube is directly hosting this kind of um, and, and, and content. The, the weird thing is that they did it fairly quickly, like so that yeah. Internally, some way they had a way of categorizing and say, okay, we need to pull these videos immediately. Yeah. Right. So that yep. how it just makes me think. Just now, it's like okay. They had a way of tracking this previously or already. So, like, I think it might it? even be some kind of really bad machine learning because there were videos of gaming channels that were being taken down because they had phrases in it like CP, which was like combat points in some game, um, which CP obviously is an acronym for child pornography as well. But I think like it was partially moderated accounts. Um, going through those specific channels and taking down videos that they would commented in. Um, because if you go to someone's YouTube account, you can see a timeline of all of the comments that that account has ever made or replies, kind of like how you can with a Twitter account. You can mm-hmm. see all their tweets. Um, it's probably a combination of that and machine learning because, like I was saying, there was like game YouTube channels, people who play games for a living on YouTube who had videos either demonetized or taken down because it was like a, a cp guide like a like a guide to getting the most combat points in a game mm-hmm. or something uh which totally has nothing to do with a child it's it's like yeah. a very violent game and for mature or whatever but um the point of this is is that um a lot of people were obviously outraged by youtube's response it's kind of like a like a damned if you do damned if you don't kind of situation for youtube whereas there's going to be a lot of collateral damage and these accounts getting taken down. But at the same time, it's not like they're doing it out of malice. It's to put a stopgap on a pretty legitimate issue on the platform. Um, And especially because after going through several of those videos, you start to get suggested videos by those people. So it becomes very easy for these types of like bad actors to get access to a bunch of videos. So it's just an all around abuse of the platform that I think really needs to be looked at on YouTube side um, and really needs to be addressed from a more professional standpoint. Um, and Linus brought up a, a very interesting point when he, they were talking about this um, when I was listening to it earlier today, he was saying that uh, every time his children appear, because he, he frequently has videos where he'll do something in his house mm-hmm. or around his house. And he says yeah. that every time his kids appear in a video, he pays them. Um, and, he says this is because he's he believes that there is this future that is very possible um, where these kids grow up and their parents have put them on YouTube for their like 
their childhood memories or in the case of you know that there's that one youtube account of that little kid who reviews toys mm-hmm. yeah. um like that kid's gonna grow up he's a minor he can't mm-hmm. truly consent to becoming a internet celebrity mm-hmm. and YouTube does not offer the same protections that Hollywood does for child actors. So these parents don't have to pay these children. So it is very possible that in the future we could see a substantial amount of lawsuits come through to have, I think it's Coogan's Law, um, which was the bill that began protection of child actors in in Hollywood, um, but doesn't necessarily expand to YouTube and to online platforms because this didn't exist at the time. but I think it's a very real possibility that these kids may not want this content, or if they did want this content, that they would want to be paid for it. Because this, it's very possible this kid could grow up and be like, okay, cool, where's my paycheck? Like, right. pay, pay me for being the reason why your channel was successful. I'm basically an actor. So That's a good um, yeah. it's like a really interesting take on it because then that takes a whole different spin on this whole demonetization definition that... Um, people have been holding on to for this problem and i i thought it's like a really good discussion point because like should people be monetizing videos of their children mm-hmm. yeah. on youtube like is that something that we can do without having proper contracts set aside right um because i could see that being a major problem down the line and i think that it's something that not really many people have thought about or even talked about and i thought it was really kind of forward thinking of Linus to pay his children for their airtime, however small it might be. Sure. Um, if they appear, he pays them. So it's just kind of like an interesting food for thought. And um, it definitely is. It surrounds a very disgusting topic and a very like awful issue that is happening on the platform. But um, I think it is like a really cool discussion, like, and um, kind of, like when I, I when I thought of that, it kind of like sent my brain like off into like a bunch of different directions to like, okay, like this really is something that I haven't thought of, and like the more I began to listen to him make his case, I was like, I really don't know if children should be monetized, and all these other YouTube accounts that are getting taken down, like the gaming ones for having CP in the title for combat points, whatever they may be. Um, they're just accidental collateral damage and it's something that YouTube has done before so it's not anything new to me really so um, I don't know I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that topic or anything opinions you might have about the demonetization process or not but I really do think we probably should talk about this in a bigger episode just because I think we obviously just filled the first what 20 minutes of the show yeah. with, um, so with this. one suggestion that I, I thought that's I forgot who brought it up that I was listening to. Um, was why not just turn off commenting entire yeah. on YouTube? Just just turn it off. What value I've... does it bring? <laughs> I don't think I've ever like read a YouTube comment. No, and been like wow, that was either. really insightful. Yeah, yeah. It, I, it, I don't think that's ever happened. And if you look at like I I mentioned this briefly earlier, but if you look at you know the ratio to views versus comments, yeah. It's not. It shows engagement, sure, right? That yeah. your people aren't just blindly watching the videos. It's actually they're they're giving feedback. They're uh, engaging with the the creator, sure, right. But yeah. if it's getting so toxic, or are just a, a, a few bad apples ruin it for everyone. So like, yeah. just I I wish that YouTube would just take this like, all right, no more comments. Yeah. You can have a like or dislike button, right? That still remains that that you can't really... I mean, you can abuse that. um, Yeah. But, you know, if you have another YouTube Rewind situation, you need a dislike button. (laughs) So... (laughs) (laughs) The dislike button is just as important as the like button. It is. It is. So... (laughs) So... um, What what do you think? Like... I know we p- both personally don't comment on, on videos, but right. I think a lot of people do. So I think the comment section is a good thing. Um, I've never really considered it to be a problem aside from just the standard stuff that happens from YouTube. Um, but I think that it wouldn't what about hurt. Na- like if- it wasn't a problem before, but it is now yeah. that people are noticing what kind of comments people are leaving. Yeah, but I think 
that comments is a much easier problem to solve than video content because it's very easy to read, uh, to build text interpreters and uh, even just like filters for sanitization, like using AI to scan thousands of content of comments left by child pornographers or people who um, are these yeah. types of these types of bad actors and run this on the comment section and, and before someone can post be like hey um, you need to modify this comment this is not in line with our terms of service and this is not what something if people acceptable. started using my argument against that is whether they started using some code words or code you know language that yeah. an AI couldn't right yeah um, um, why do people have to suck yeah that's actually <laughs> actually the, the yeah that's the real problem. To, that's the that's the question we need to answer. You just can't trust. Why are people. there crappy people in this world? Yeah, um, no. There's just there's some like really bad people out there, and yeah, like this is just a further evidence of that. But yeah, like I don't know, like because the because there's been so many like um, YouTubers who have had like con- very constructive conversations happen in their comment mm-hmm. section with their subscribers, and I think that like that ability to have a direct line of communication with the person who's providing this content, I think is one of the reasons why YouTube was so successful in the beginning. Um, but what I think they should do is perhaps um, incentivize uh, bringing these people into light, maybe in some way, like kind of have uh, an incentivized moderation type of thing where if um, like you can get like, perks on the website or you can get some kind of thing for um regularly like rep- if you like making people more engaging and reporting people mm, that are right. that are so causing you notice some sort of behavior or yeah. you get some kind of reward for reporting it or, or monitoring it i yeah or like have uh have, a, have or, the community because right the the good people outnumber the bad yeah so just let the the community have power to yeah. moderate themselves, but if you give it to everyone, that they give you that power to everyone. Some people yeah. will abuse it, so you gotta balance that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, like there really isn't an easy answer to no, this no. <laughs> those. No, no. And if comment- we had the answers, we would. You know, yeah. be at this company's work, and so yeah, I'd be at YouTube fixing <laughs> right. the problem, right? Yeah, but um, I, I, it, I don't it's know. A, it's, like, an, I, it's it's a very interesting issue. Um, because and, and yeah, the the takeaway from that is just people suck. Hopefully, yeah. Because even if you get rid of comments, I don't think you're stopping the problem. I think you're just putting a bandaid over it. Yeah, or you're, or you're just like shoving it into a drawer, like you're hiding it. You're not actually solving. What if you? You banned content uploaded that contains any child. You can't do that. You can't because the people. Well, I mean, I could see like if, for example, if that lawsuit thing does happen in the future and these kids grow up and they sue, I could see it being very possible where there is uh, regular scans, just like how they have for copyrighted content, but for children or for like things that might be interpreted as children and these accounts have to be quote approved by youtube as certified that they are in fact hiring these children and mm-hmm. not just exploiting them kind of like how twitter has like verified accounts in a way um like just kind of some kind of verifiable proof that if you are filming a subject that that subject is being properly compensated for being put on display for literally the entire internet. So, um, even if it may not happen, it's it will at least put the onus on the YouTube content creator to say like, "Hey, you're you. This is a career. If you're going to do this, like, um, unless you're not monetizing monetizing the channel, in which case you should still probably moderate your channel. But mm-hmm. um, just something that." takes monetization out of these types of videos because it is a really touchy subject because like people upload videos or people have home videos of kids with their butts showing or like home videos or pictures of a kid like taking a bath like it's a kid to them it's their parent they don't see that in that light so like 
these kinds of pictures and videos and content is going to happen. Like on Facebook, I see, I see like photos of babies in a tub or something like that from people who are like newly parents. And I see like all this content on the internet and like, it's totally normalized to a lot of people, but there are some very sick people out there who want to abuse that and twist it in some awful way. But um, it really does come down to like, where do you draw that line between like, this is a cute home video and like someone could really make be sick about this, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like it's, it's a weird subject because it's so normal to us as like, Oh, that's a home video. That's some kid in, in really having fun in the bathtub or like some kid like walking or like running through the garden and like the dog like pulls on his pants a little bit, you know, like nothing. It's, it's just so normal and not weird to us that it's like, you don't know where to draw that line. And I think this is going to be a, a debate that goes way further than anything that we could get into in this one episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, I just thought that was like a really interesting topic. And obviously the first 25 minutes of the episode thought so as well. That was but. great. It was under the discussion <laughs> section. We had a good discussion. Yeah. Um, no. So I, I just think that uh, closing topic on it. And then I'm done. It's just uh, any parent out there who is uploading videos of your child, uh, please do consider the fact that your child is going to grow up and um, they may want some of that money. Um, and Coogan's Law did happen with movies. People were putting their kids in movies um, and then they had to pay their kids. So if you don't want a massive legal battle and you plan on monetizing your children, I would thoroughly recommend paying them or having some kind of written contract where you as a guardian are are not the sole owner of all these profits in a way that's they in some way have a right to it when they are an adult. So that's my hot take. Yeah. <laughs> um, we do have actual tech news to talk about yeah, though. Man. We have some, yeah. uh, cause um, this is a tech podcast. Right. If you remember, <laughs> we had a uh, little conference in, uh, Spain. We uh, did over the weekend. Uh, the old MWC, the mobile world Congress, um, one of the more interesting uh, conferences. It's like it's like um, if uh, what's it called? What is the? Why can I not remember it now? If CES had no big names in it, it's Mobile World Congress. That's what it is. <laughs> it's CES without any of the big people in it. Um, yeah, because now Samsung is doing their own thing, right? They they didn't participate yep. in Mobile World Congress. They did their own conference. Um, yep. Or not conference, they just did their own show to announce their stuff. They usually, um, I think they've been pulled out of it for the past couple of years. Uh, they haven't really been a part of Mobile World Congress, but Mobile World Congress takes place in what, Berlin, if I'm not mistaken? In Germany, in some way? I think it is Germany. Um, I'm not sure off the top of my head, but um, it's where, I know it's in Europe, though. It's where a lot of the. Uh, the companies, the tech companies from around the world, mobile carriers, whether it's LG or Huawei or Nokia um, or Sony, even it's where those uh, car- those phone providers and phone producers gather to talk about the latest tech that they are offering. Um, and for anybody watching the stream, they can see the current article that I have up on the right, which is going to be talking about a new record-breaking phone. And that phone is the Huawei Mate X, what, which what, is... Uh, what record is it breaking, Matt? Uh, it is currently <laughs> the most expensive smartphone on the market by almost a factor of three currently, <laughs> I think. Um, so the current most expensive... No, it's 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 like 1.5x times more than the iPhone XS Max fully spec'd out. Um, so that phone is like $1,500 US. Uh, the Huawei Mate 10, the Mate X, um, carries the burden of a $2,600 price tag. Um, <laughs> that is as much as my first car cost. But have you seen it? Look at that thing. It's crazy. That's the cost of innovation, Matt. It that really is, is. the cost of innovation and being on the cutting edge. You gotta just know imagine to pulling them. that thing out of your pocket and everybody just jaws on the floor. That, yeah, isn't would. that worth $2,600 to you? My jaw is already on the floor. 
<laughs> so I think so, I th- so yeah they n- announced the, their foldable phone uh, um, Mate X and I think to be honest with you it looks better than the, the Galaxy Fold really I disagree with that <laughs> I'm, I'm curious to have this discussion now I'm very interested <laughs> in talking about this because I think it is one of the ugliest phones that I've seen come out this year <laughs> alright <laughs> um but let, let me hear your let me hear your thoughts first. I'm, I just want to hear you defend it. Yeah. So, um, this uh, phone, um, you you everybody have, we talked about it last week about the Galaxy Fold. Um, it folds like a book, right? So the Galaxy Fold, um, you has a really tiny, not tiny, but four point whatever inch screen on the outside, just for looking at notifications and basic things, and then you can open it up to reveal this big screen. Um, with um, the Huawei, um, the screen's actually on the outside. Um, and uh, what that allowed them to do is make the entire device thinner. Yeah. Uh, but at the end, it has this um, grip kind of thing um, uh, that, yeah, it's uh, like from a- the videos that I've seen, allows it to be a one-handed device. So you can hold it in one hand um, fairly easily. Um, and, uh, it's also, uh, one important distinction is since the screen folds outwards and not inwards. Mm-hmm. So the outer side of the phone is the screen as opposed to the inside being the bigger screen. Yeah. It allows the phone to completely close. Yeah. Right. So, There's no gap in between, like from a couple of the pictures that I've seen of the galaxy fold, you, you, do you see a, a gap in between the screens? Yeah, very, very, um, very thin gap, but there is one there. Yeah, there, there is one there. Um, so this folds completely, well, completely flat, but um, um, it can fold onto it itself over yeah, um, itself um, fairly nicely. Um, the only thing that I still the jury's out on these phones, they all have plastic screens. So the I like the look of this way better. Yeah, but since the screen is on the outside, it's not protected for, by it being folded up. So all these screens are plastic because obviously glass doesn't bend. So yeah, you can't that's not make how science works. So you can't make the screen out of glass. So you have to make it out of plastic. And if you watch Jerry rig everything, you yep. know that these screens will not hold up to scratches very well if yeah. they're made from plastic. It's gonna. Um, it's gonna. For anybody so, who is like, if they want a frame of reference as to the durability of the screen, think not a smartphone that you have in your pocket, but think your Nintendo Switch if you have right, one. Right, that, that does have a plastic screen. Yeah. Um, so if you have a Nintendo Switch or even a like a DS or a 3DS or something, those have scratched a lot. So. So since all the entire screen is on the outside, there's zero protection against any dust or anything that scratches and i don't even know what kind of case you put on this thing if you can at all <laughs> yeah i don't know either <laughs> so I don't even know aside that do. i think this looks like a way futuristic more of a a cooler device in my opinion so why yeah. why do you think it looks so crappy it just looks like i don't like i don't i don't know like i, I watched the video of it that um what was it? Mr. Mobile did. Mm-hmm. And it, it, there was this, it may have been more of a product of the fact that the one that they have right now is not actually out yet. It's not available for release yet. It's mm-hmm. very much so an early release smart, uh, smartphone. And it's not one that's fully done yet. It's got a lot of screen inconsistencies with the manufacturing process. They haven't fully ironed that out yet. It's still very new in terms of how the design looks. Um, but the screen on this looks even, even though they're both plastic, it somehow looks lower quality than the Samsung display. Um, and I think how to make displays. (laughs) Yeah. And I think the thing that makes it look worse to me is the fact that it does have that weird right hand, like almost like, like thumb grip or hand grip Mm -hmm. 
or holding the phone on the right side, whereas the Samsung is the same. It looks like two S10s literally yeah. taped together yeah. and in the middle. Um, it looks like a sleek stainless steel device with the charging port in the center, and it's got more symmetry and looks more akin to a traditional smartphone, mm-hmm. whereas this looks more akin to literally like it looks like a folding Nintendo Switch. So... Like it, it. I think that's the thing that throws me off with mm-hmm. it. Um, that I just like makes... that it's thinner. The what the pictures that I've seen of the Galaxy Fold, just when you fold it up, it's just really thick. Yeah, really, no, really it's, it's it's really chunky. thick, but it's still pretty. So. But to be, like they let Mr. Mobile touch this phone, nobody has touched yeah. the Fold yet. They won't yeah. let journalists near it. They had the glass case at Mobile World Congress. And they had a barrier around it, so you can get only so close uh, yeah. to it. So I'm, I'm I'm curious to see those concerns that you mentioned uh, from getting a closer look at the screen from this phone. What happens when people actually get their hands on it with a Galaxy Fold? Yeah, and I'm, it's I'm very curious. It has a it has three cameras too, so it's probably going to be a decent smartphone when it comes to a camera, um, yeah. but. It it does. I mean, it looks. I, I if if the screen spilled over the side, I think I would have a different view of it because then you can kind of grip that one side with the the bigger uh, plastic of the phone. Now that I'm looking at this picture, the side one, like I'm a little more okay with the design. But uh, that being said, I I think the price point is going to kill this phone. Well, um, yes. Not going to be a mass market. It's not going to yeah, be no. flying off the shelves. Yeah, I would sure. Be Neither is though. the Galaxy Fold, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, this also is something that is going to be like both of these phones is in a market that we have never seen before. It's the like ultra elite luxury phone line. So it's not many people are going to buy this, and I think they know that. Yeah. And I think that. Um, like it's something that it still remains to be seen as to what market this truly caters to. But I mean, the way I kind of looked at it was if you buy this, you don't need a tablet. So you're saving a cost there if you need a tablet. So technically having a phone costs the same price as a phone and a tablet combined kind of makes sense. Let me get the dog real quick. She wants to sit on my lap. You wanted to talk about this a little bit more up to you. Yeah. I don't know. So, just the foldable phones, all of these are first generation. It's not going to be a mass market. We're going to have to wait till second, maybe third, till the fourth generation, till companies actually figure out the, the final form of these type of phones, right. um, what the final use cases will be, um, and how people will accept them. So, this is early on, very early, very, very early um, in the life cycle of these types of phones. Um so I'm excited for the future, but I know, right, these these are not going to fly off the shelves like it's talked about earlier. Um, they're going to be a very niche device, and, and, and these companies are just testing out the water, see what they can do, right? They have to make these phones uh, before they can make, you know, the $800 version of this. Yeah. Um, and most of these costs are just, yeah. like we were saying, like there are inconsistencies in that manufacturing process. They're not able to have as streamlined of a production as say like a traditional um slab of glass smartphone yeah. speaking uh, of glass do you think they'll ever fig- figure out the the whole screen thing i think i mean it'll you can't kind of physics like, you can't bend the glass so right. what what can you do to sort of put it because i just like a nice font like glass element on a phone yeah i could see some kind of like epoxy Style, Some like kind of new polymer glass. that they come up with that very scratch resistant. Yeah, feels like. Um, I could, glass. I could, I could see that happening. I don't know specifically what they, what that material might be, but um, when glass came out, I don't think people were imagining Gorilla Glass. So I think it just. Uh, remains to be seen. Now, I'm pretty sure that Gorilla Glass, that company that makes them, Corning, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that they are working on something, or their their R and D department definitely has sure uh, a few concepts on the table yeah. um, to accommodate this this tech. Because 
a lot of uh, the tech reviewers and some of the the people out there are saying this is like the the future, the next big thing in smartphones. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if those companies are listening and working on that kind of tech. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. They're looking yeah. at this um, for sure. So we got other especially stuff. Samsung. Yeah, especially just to Samsung. just to like close on that because yeah. they are well known for their displays, so they definitely can't compromise that. Yeah. Um, so we got other stuff that launched, uh, um, we have the, yeah. the, isn't a phone actually, uh, the second no. one, um, HoloLens, uh, two, uh, was announced at Microsoft at, uh, Mobile World Congress. Um, it is an, uh, quite a bit of improvement over the first one. Um, it's their mixed reality he- headset. Um, one of the main updates that was done is an increased field of view. So one of the complaints that people had about the original HoloLens is that once you put the entire thing on, right, you see all these tech demos with the uh, person interacting with virtual objects. And when you're looking at it from like the outside perspective, they make it look like it's all around you, right? Um, but when you actually put the headsets on, it's just a very, very tiny window right in front of you. And if you just, you know, the object moves out of that window, it just disappears, um, so they have increased that that field of view, um, so you get uh, more of a wider view of of, of the virtual um, things within the world, uh, which is nice. They improved the the balance of it, uh, so it's not as big, not as heavy uh, on your head. More of a balance, so you can wear it for an extended period of time. Um, and uh, they did some internal you know improvements with the hardware. Um, they now have eye tracking um, and also eye authentication. Yeah, it um, uses the same technology that Windows Hello uses. Yeah, so they embedded a camera and, and an IR blaster in, in there <laughs> that, that shoots uh, infrared into your eye to authenticate you um, and also track your eye movements to uh, now you can just look at something. You don't have to touch it or virtually reach out and, and touch it. Um, you can just look at something and it will interact or, or do something to do a certain yeah. action. Now um, that's what the future means to me, having your eyes bathed in lasers. <laughs> <laughs> as you sign in to your HoloLens, <laughs> um, it is That's still what the means. yeah. It's still uh, it'll be out soon. Um, you can pre-order it now, um, and and the entire and the cost is thirty five hundred dollars. So this uh, device is not geared towards consumers, and, and and Microsoft was very very upfront about that. It's really scared <laughs> at enterprise. Um, right now, um, I just think they don't have a use case for consumers right now, and also they can't get it the cost down for it to be affordable uh, for most yeah. consumers. Um, so I mean, anything's a consumer product if you put enough money into it. Sure, so. right? <laughs> um, and they did have have some really cool uh, demos uh, on stage. I watched a couple, um, but it, it, uh, a good advancement in this type of tech. Um, AR, I think it will eventually might be bigger than VR. Um, uh, I know that Apple has been doing a lot of, uh, things around that. They, they seem to be showing AR, um, pretty much in every keynote in the past couple of years. Um, they've highlighted one or like in, in the new iPad launches, they specifically highlighted, you know, AR features where they brought out this giant table and they did stuff like the Lego thing and, um, it seems like every little keynote that they do product launch, they highlight AR features. Um, I think AR is the future, personally. Yeah, I think we just yeah. want those glasses that just overlays information onto our world and 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 sort of removes us having to look down onto that phone. I think that's what yeah. the ultimate future that we're uh, going towards. Um, people don't want to be removed from reality, but they want to. Augmented, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Like literally, the name, the what the name uh, means. Uh, I'm so, just, uh, I'm excited for this tech. This lo- and it looks, it looks nice too. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's an important thing. Yeah, and we'll be talking about more about um, Hololens in uh, uh, a later topic uh, related to Microsoft and their certain contracts. Um, so, all right, yeah, little little tease there. Um, <laughs> Uh, Nokia announced a new phone uh, at Mobile W um, Mobile World Congress as well. The I Nokia, forgot about Nokia. Nokia Nine <laughs> Pure View. Um, the reasons I put this into the, sh- the rundown of the show notes. 
um, is it has this weird design on the back with five cameras. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, they're just... Scroll down and find it. <laughs> show it off. In, show yeah. it off in the it's video. this weird, like... It's this, like, honeycomb style. Yeah, honeycomb <laughs> design layout with uh, uh, two... two Well, yeah. Two of those um, uh, little circles, or one is the flash and one is the laser, I think, uh, autofocus system. But the yeah. other dots are all cameras. Um, it's cool. Like, I don't mind. It's like a little hexagon with uh, another circle in the middle. But like, it, what's it looks your cool. bet on this phone to get a better picture than the Pixel 3 does with one lens? <laughs> right? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Quantity gonna, doesn't gonna equal no. quality. Well, well Urban, <laughs> they're 20 megapixels a piece. <laughs> uh, the Pixel's 12. Yeah, it takes better pictures. Yeah, these um, are five. I'm sorry, the front one has a 20 megapixel lens. Oh uh, wow, that's some the, crispy selfies right there. It is. The rear one <laughs> has five 12 megapixel f 1.8 aperture cameras, two RGB Zeiss lenses, and three mono Zeiss lenses joined by a flash and a time of flight sensor. So depth. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah, this is gonna. This this looks like one of the. This looks like one of the greatest phones of 2018. What? <laughs> All right. Or one of like a solid mid-range contender for 2018. Uh, and I say 28. I'm not I'm not misspeaking when I say 2018. It looks like a phone from last year. <laughs> it does not look like a new phone. No. Because no, yeah. you see the Samsungs and the the iPhones and the um the like Google rumors and all this stuff coming out and uh, all of them are continuing to push the bezels farther and farther to the edge. And this looks like they stole the... Um, what's that phone? This looks like they stole the HTC U phones, like blue metal body, slapped a bunch of new cameras into it, um, and called it a day with yeah. the tech. Like It looks yeah. like the same phone. Yeah, and then the 2018 phone is, is very accurate. Um, it does have the 845 from last year. Uh, running the Snapdragon 845 uh, with 6 gigs of RAM. Um, the price is what, I think, um, what? Give this a, a good look, I guess. Um, it starts at 699 which is, I think, still might be a little expensive for... Uh, I hate that people are referring to that as almost budget now. I yeah. hate that so much. Six hundred, seven hundred dollars yeah. for a phone with last year's specs is not budget. If anybody, if I watch any reviews of this, and they refer to this as a budget option, I swear to God, <laughs> because this smartphone industry is starting to get a little crazy with its pricing. Um, they're really, really pushing the profit margins to its absolute limit, and I wholeheartedly disagree that a phone that cuts this many corners is even worth this price point let alone um the price point of of something even lower also like i don't know this is just it's a very hard phone for me to take seriously especially because it's a nokia phone mm-hmm. um like nothing against nokia but um and they're not coming, technically even making this one yeah it's just, H. Well, Nokia doesn't make any phones anymore. It's HMD or whatever it is. The, the yeah, behind the scenes just, manufacturer. They just slap a label on it. Yeah, but I mean, uh, it's it's got wireless charging and it's got an under display fingerprint scanner, so it's it does have some 2019 um, like specs, but it's not it's nothing um, nothing too much, especially when it's. Eight millimeters thick and 172 grams in weight. It's one of the heavier smartphones, um, but it's I don't know. Like I'm I'm not blown away by it. I'm not yeah. like upset by it. I'm just kind of like, hey, look, Nokia's here. <laughs> w- w- what about a phone with a 21 by nine aspect ratio, Matt? Would that be a 21 by nine aspect ratio smartphone with a 4K OLED display? Um, the HDR display, yes. Sign me up. <laughs> um, so Sony has revealed their Xperia One device that has exactly those uh, aspects or the wow. aspect ratio as well as those features. Um, 
So it's great for um, it says it's ideal for both watching movies and creating them. I don't know what kind of are you are you professionally editing feature length movies on these things? I don't know. I think I think is Marquez is going to have to sell his red uh, camera system <laughs> and move over to the Xperia One. <laughs> also, um, something that they didn't talk about is now we found out what happens when Sony's Xperia number gets too high. They just start over. <laughs> it just loops around and goes back to one. It's cyclical, yeah. Um, uh, it packs a triple lens camera system as well as the first smartphone with the eye focus and tracking, uh, eye focus tracking borrowed from the A7 mirrorless camera, which is a, a kind of exciting uh, news. I have used a seven line of cameras, and their eye tracking is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if it's anywhere close to that, that'd be impressive. Um, Can you explain, just because I'm even a little foggy on it, what sure. the benefit of eye tracking is to photography? Sure. sure. So when you're taking a photo, right, you still you have the autofocus system where you have pressed the shutter down. It focuses on the nearest object or tries to. Um, Sony has implemented an eye tracking features and, and, and other manufacturer, manufacturers now um, have it as well. I have it. No, oh, I have it handy here. My Fuji X-T3 also has an eye tracking uh, system um, as well. Okay. So when you're taking a photo, especially a portrait of someone, it's very key to get their eye in focus, right? So that's the main thing that you wanted to get, get into focus. So previously, you had to manually sort of get the tracking dot, the autofocus tracking dot, and try to align it with their eye manually using a little knob at the back of the um, the camera, mm-hmm. and you know the the. The, your model, whoever you're shooting, would move. You have to re- either readjust the camera, move the dot, or try to follow their eye to make sure their eye is always in focus. So Sony developed a system where it just does it for you, and it's really good. Even if, like, okay, I'm looking at you like this, with this eye being closer to you, it'll focus on this eye. And if I switch here, it'll automatically switch to this eye because now this eye is actually closer to you. If you were the camera... And it would track me no matter how fast I moved. If like uh, a per- person with a long hair would calf cover the eye, it would still know that the eye is right there. Would keep track of it. It's it's really really good. Huh. Um, and all you do is just press one button, and it does full eye tracking no matter what the uh, subject did. Um, even if they did like a twirl in between, yeah. like it would know the eye and it'll keep it there. And then as soon as the the eye was visible again after they turned around, it would just lock onto that eye. Um, so um, that's what I'm saying. If it's anywhere near close to that, it doesn't have to be exactly matching that, but yeah. just close to it, I'd be very impressed. Yeah, um, and looking at the specs on these cameras, it looks like Sony is trying to find its own niche with these smartphones. Uh, it looks like they're really taking uh, smartphone photography seriously. Um, so this is gonna this phone. I don't know if you've had a chance to look into the specs of this camera that it has, but it has a triple camera rear system with three different focal lengths. So it has a 16 millimeter wide angle, mm-hmm. uh, 26 millimeter normal normal view camera, yeah. and a 52 millimeter telephoto. Yeah. Uh, all 35 millimeter equivalent. Mm-hmm. Um, so lenses. very similar layout to the new Galaxy S10. Um, yeah. They went with the triple wide. The triple wide is, is I think, key that um, a lot of. Um, most camp, I think the only phone manufacturer that did the ultra wide was LG, uh, prior to this, and on a more like a, a mass produced phone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm happy to see more and more manufacturers jump on the ultra wide shot because if you're doing a landscape shot, that ultra wide um, focal length really just gives you a whole view of that expanse of getting the everything within picture. It's a really cool way of of of, of shooting a photo. Um, and it's important to note a lot of these sensors that these camera manufacturers are putting into the uh, 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 their phones are made by Sony. The Pixel, yeah. the Pixel sensor is made by Sony. The uh, Samsung one, as I'm pretty sure, is made by Sony as well. Um, so theoretically, so, Sony should be the best at this, right? But as we know. It's not all about all about the sensor because the pixels no. kick still kicking everyone everyone's butt, right? It's yeah. all about the software. It's how what yeah. you do with that sensor. So this Xperia though looks like on paper looks yeah. like it's going to be a phenomenal phone or yeah. camera. 
and it apparently delivers 10 frames per second uh, shooting speed with autofocus and auto exposure enabled. Um, that's impressive if yeah. it does it right. Um, and it shoots in 4K HDR as well for video um, in the full 21 by 9 cinematic format. At 24 um, FPS, which is like cinema right. speed. Yeah. So that's really nice. And then also you have eight cinematic color presets, so you can apply like a lot to it, I'm assuming, like while you're shooting. Um, that's interesting. And it also has a hybrid stabilization system that uses its optical steady shot technology. Um, so this is really like not anything that we've seen before. Uh, in terms of screen resolution, camera density, and like all in terms of like when everything's all said and done, just an all-around product. Um, aside from other Xperia phones, because the Xperia XZ and the X5, um, aside from just dropping the X, it looks like they're keeping that same emphasis on a very high-end display, while at the same time um, pushing their cameras to the limits of what it could potentially be. And um, I guess it still remains to be seen um, if Sony can actually do this. Um, But with these screens, like these OLED panels look really nice. Um, And it's like comparable to most full-size televisions in terms of quality. So you're not going to be missing much. If you, if I I would imagine that, um, if you don't care that much about cameras and if you don't care really about anything besides watching content on your smartphone at the highest possible resolution, it looks like the Xperia is a very compelling option for you. Yeah. It's certainly a very interesting phone. We'll see. Um, Sony hasn't been doing that hot in the smartphone business lately. Um, yep. You can't really get them at most carriers here in the U.S. anyway more of an international market. Um, so we'll see. Um, yeah, it, sh- it says it'll arrive in the U.S. in late spring. Of this year. Haven't mm-hmm. set a price yet, though. So No, and they don't mention the headphone jack either, so I'm not well, sure if it has one of that, those. That's given. It's 2019, man. Yeah, it has no notch, though, which is interesting. It's <laughs> Yeah, Sony, but it's like Sony a super tall screen. To avoid the it's, notch. it's a super tar- tall screen, so... Yeah. Um, no, it's you know, huge. Weird sort of slab of a phone. Um, and then we got one more phone to talk about, the LG G8. Thank you. The stupid thank you, lame. I don't know why LG is doing that. But um, they updated their G line of phones, I guess you would call them. Um, LG needs to thank you of a better name. <laughs> <laughs> um, has it really changed from the G7? Really? Yeah. Pretty much. Not really. The- the look of it, um, they kept the notch. Um, is all there, all still there. Uh, the fingerprint sensor in the back. They haven't gone with the in-screen one that a lot of manufacturers are doing. Um, but they have done some interesting software things and and different gesture things. We were talking about that prior to the show. Yes, <laughs> but, they're they're like really. It looks like they're in the death throes almost. Like they're throwing they're, gimmicky features on top of gimmicky features to. To get to sell these phones to people, yeah, they're um, really, really trying to push these smartphones. And I feel like I feel like this may very well be one of the last LG smartphones, assuming they keep trending in this direction. Um, just because I really can't imagine um, this will sell very well when you look at the other options. Like when you look at it by itself, it's a solid device. Um, if you ask me, I think LG's software tries too hard to mimic iOS. Hmm. Um, but like you said, it comes with um, way too many gimmicks with a formula that doesn't do a whole lot to like wow people. There's no, there's almost no wow factor with this phone. Like I have almost no reason to be like, yeah, get this phone. Like right. I'd be like, I mean, if you if, if it's cheap and it's free, then why not? But also, <laughs> you know my opinion on LG. Yes, so. yes. So they actually launched a couple of interesting features. Uh, one is called Hand ID. So you've heard of Touch ID, you've heard of Face ID. Now we got Hand ID. Tell um, me about Hand ID. <laughs> so <laughs> it uses a sensor in front of the camera to actually unlock your phone with a. Uh, 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 a unique 
imprint of your hand. So it actually looks, takes a look at your veins um, and your blood flow inside of your hands and create this unique fingerprint oh my God. Uh, that allows you to unlock your phone. So you just go like this to your phone and it unlocks. But this is such a weird kind of gesture to like For unlock For anybody a phone. who can't see what Urban's doing, um, <laughs> it looks like if you've ever watched a Star Wars movie, it's the similar hand gesture to when they're trying to like pick up <laughs> objects with their hands. Like your hand is in that shape over top of your smartphone while it's laying on a table. And not only that, but you have to hold it there for like a few seconds yeah. in order for it to pick up on that gesture. Um, um, speaking of gestures, there's... I don't uh, get it. <laughs> they also launched air motion kind of thing. So uh, you can... No, not only unlock your phone with that hand gesture, but also it tr- turns it into this uh, um, motion leap. I don't know if you've seen the motion leap device where it does the whole hand tracking thing. You can control your computer with your fingers. Um, so you can control certain actions. So you can turn knobs to say fast forward or, or, or uh, rewind video, uh, or you can launch certain apps by depending on how you move your fingers. I, I, it's just a weird way of interacting with a phone. It um, is. It's something that I didn't know that I didn't want. <laughs> <laughs> so all of these seem like party tricks, um, and I don't know how useful um, they might be, yeah. um, but it does have a headphone jack so and a good DAC. Um, so that's one thing that that's, LG is doing right. They have they put that's a, not a new thing. No, they've been doing that for a while, and then that's a good thing that they're doing it. But um, they put in a really crappy phone. <laughs> yeah, yep. It's in a really. It's not even a really crappy phone. The no, LG, it's a good, yeah. The NQ is like the okayest phone of Mobile World Congress. <laughs> it would win that award if, if we you gave care about high end audio and you don't want to have an external deck on your phone, then get this phone. But other than yeah. that. And also, um, you if you're buying an LG phone and you know me, you probably have heard me mention that. At some point, you will probably run into some kind of hardware issue with this LG phone. Um, but that's just all LG products in general. Um, that's not necessarily specific to just this phone. I've had nothing but bad experiences or I've heard nothing but bad things about LG phones. So um, I'm going to continue to push that case because I do not like LG. <laughs> when it comes to smartphones, they make fine televisions. They make fine. Ref- is it? Do they make refrigerators? They do. I think yes. <laughs> yeah. They they make fine other things like they're, like, <laughs> but like not smartphones. They need to step away from this market and pretend they were never there. I think personally. Now tell me how you really feel, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> um, it does um, have six gigs of RAM, which is nice. Sure. So. So does every other phone that we mentioned on this list. Except, so. except the Pixel. But yeah, that's not on this list. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. So that's a quick highlight of Mobile World Congress. I, I, there are other stuff that was launched, but really, you know, the main highlights that at least we care about that we felt like sharing with you guys. So, yeah. Um, yeah interesting show. Um. And we'll see uh, all these phones launch and see what people think about them. The yeah, full reviews. I'm going to see the hands-on reviews for a lot yeah. of these. I'm going to make final decisions, but yeah, um, but yeah you're right. Um, it was a cool conference. Mobile World Congress is always interesting because it's where you get the the companies that try to pull the weird stuff. So, and that that's what it's exactly what we got. Weird stuff. So. Um, Tell me about this USB 3.2 thing because so this sounds to me like a, a case of the phone industry and of, of the smart of the the tech industry trying to invent their own standard. So USB C was supposed to be this holy grail of the final USB standard that'll fix all of our problems, and it just turns out they don't. These the, all these standard boards have no idea what they're doing, and they're just coming up with different confusing standards that is just really making it hard for everyone. <laughs> I feel like I need a manual to explain why USB cables are the way they are to most people who aren't at least remotely tech savvy. Just because, like, 
I can't tell you how many times like someone has plugged their phone into their computer or with an Android device to try to do something with it, and I've and I've been like, oh, you can't use that cable because that cable is only rated for power delivery. That is not a smart. That is not a mighty device controller USB cable or something like that. The the type of cable that allows data transfers. Um, like Best Buy has them boxed up as sync and charge cables. Mm-hmm. Um, which just means that the USB cable now supports the ability to um, upload, like connect to iTunes or to um, connect to a computer if you're using it as a USB flash storage for an Android device or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the USB industry itself is one of the most infuriating aspects of technology. And I think it's absolutely hilarious how much. And USB C was supposed to be like, oh, it's reversible. Oh, it can it can fast charge, right? It can deliver all this power. It can do video out. It can do um, all these things, right? Um, and then they're like, oh, let's slap Thunderbolt onto it. I was like, oh, you wanna you have a Thunderbolt display, but okay, uh, does your laptop have Thunderbolt? Oh yeah, the ports match. No, nope, that doesn't mean it has Thunderbolt. <laughs> yeah, I, even <laughs> I have said that to you. <laughs> Even I've been like, oh, this laptop has Thunderbolt, right? And you're like, no. Are you sure about that? Yeah. It's like, try and see if it works. Do you see a lightning? And sometimes even if when you see a lightning, it doesn't actually have a Thunderbolt because that lightning is supposed to be officially stating that it's a Thunderbolt compatible port. But sometimes uh, manufacturers have put a lightning there to indicate that you can charge uh, your laptop with USB-C, but you can't output Thunderbolt. It's just Or to indicate that it's fast. It's just fast. (laughs) Lightning for speed. Um, so we have all of this, you know, that is the symbol of the flash superhero known for super speed. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So all these USB-C port, not all of them actually. Um, well, most of them are, were based on the USB three standard would give you good speed. Then they launched USB 3.1 gen one. And then they launched USB 3.1 gen two, which confused (laughs) a lot of things. (laughs) Um, even though all these ports look exactly the same, the data USB, throughput that you get yeah. really depends USB 3.1 Gen 2 may be recognized by consumers as super speed USB 10 gigabits per second. Um, <laughs> so they're trying to fix it by creating USB 2.3 or 3.2, sorry. <laughs> they're going backwards. <laughs> Uh, oh 3.2. Um, so they're yeah. kind of combining both Gen 1 and Gen 2 um, into this USB uh, 3.2 kind of thing. Um, uh, USB 2 by 2 electric boogaloo. Uh, it's, I, wish, I wish it worked out like everyone thought it. the, the USB-C thing is going to work out. You have one cable for super fast data transfer. Video out, external GPUs, like all of that. Like, why can't it just all really do all of that? I understand it's like a a lot of that is due to Thunderbolt, right? So, like, that's a special chip you have to put into your phone, onto a laptop or a phone or or a device that has to support that communication technology. A lot of that is fiber optic. That's what allows all that high-speed data throughput, right? Those cables are really expensive. Those Thunderbolt cables, that's why, because they're fiber optic cables. It Right, I get why not everything that's USB-C is also Thunderbolt, but... Why is why? it all the same plug? If right. it was different. <laughs> like, why can't... Like, 5G needs to catch up, and it needs to hurry up and come out so we can just remove cables entirely and... Remove all a, orifices from devices. Live in a wireless world, because cables are absolutely useless in terms of, like... In terms of their names. Yeah, so... Like you were saying, the the name of this new generation of USB cables is... So you had the 5 gigabits are USB 3.2 Gen 1. 10 mm-hmm. gigabit devices are USB 3.2 Gen 2. And the new 20 gigabit devices, which are gigabyte devices, which are the ones that they're currently producing and what this article is talking about, is going to be called USB 3.2 Generation 2 by two two by two Two so now we got to do math so is that four or no 
Then we're going to get like what? Four by four, like off road USB. Like, I don't understand like USB quad. And, and it's, 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 it makes sense when you think about the actual tech because it works by running two 10 gigabit connections simultaneously along different pairs of wires. Um, so it's, it's obvious that, so from, from, from just doing simple math, you can obviously see how you go one, two, two by two, mm-hmm. <laughs> not, right. not one, two, three. That doesn't make sense. One, two, two by two, because it's technically two of the two. So now the consumer branding will be called Super Speed USB 20 gigabits. It'll just um, be the same name twice. You, it'll just, it'll just say, yeah, it'll, it'll say US Super Speed USB 10 gigabits by Super Speed USB 10 gigabits. <laughs> Just what's after super twice. speed hyperspeed like what <laughs> super speed. super 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 sweet mondo speed <laughs> plaid speed um <laughs> usb plaid <laughs> um oh Dude, man oh i hate this so much but yeah so um, the good confusing. part about all there is there is some upside to this. What? So really? that means that USB 3.2 uh, could be anywhere from five to twenty gigabytes per second or gigabits per second, uh, which means that obviously there's going to be people who are going to exploit that confusion to sell you cheaper cables for a premium by just branding it with 